drop. Well, hi everyone. Welcome to this week's The Doghouse. Professional retriever trainers Adam Campbell from Hillside Kennels and Jimmy Rogers from Mallard Run Kennels are here to talk dog training. Plus, duck hunting, outdoor world equipment, and retriever and hunting events. Handlers, Master A. The Doghouse is brought to you in part by Sullivan Motors in Collins, Mississippi, featuring those great Chevrolet trucks. BS delivers at Sullivan Motors. Back. So, let's get started. Here are Adam Campbell and Jimmy Rogers. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Doghouse. I'm Adam Campbell. Welcome in my traveling partner, Jimmy Rogers. Hey, hey, man. What's going on, Adam? What's up, Jimbo? <laughs> man, just li- living the American dream, buddy. Hook, hook to the plow. Hook to the plow. Headed down the highway. That, that'd shock you, wouldn't it? About, <laughs> <laughs> about, to, about to knock it out, man. I've had a good run. I'm, I'm glad it's uh, just about over with. I like one weekend. I'm up here in the, the wonderful state of Michigan trying to run this flyways test this weekend under a couple of good judges, uh, Mickey Novick and uh, Bull Skills at the helm on the judging. And Bulldog in the house. The bu- Bulldog and old Mickey from upstate's come over to judge with, judge for us. So, man, I, I'm excited to get it done. And hopefully, you know, they, I know they're going to have good tests. And hopefully we can get in there and get this deal knocked out and roll back into the bluegrass with the with master season wrapped up and ready for some HRC work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, I know you're excited about, you know, kind of getting that behind you. Oh, yeah. 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 It's been fun. You know, like I said, it's uh, it kind of like uh, just run, run, run. And then it's, it, you know, I, I enjoy it to a point, but I'm I'm ready for the end. It's it's time to be over with. And the crazy part about it, you're wrapping up to qualify for 2021. And, That's right. And I just signed up for my next test to qualify for 22. I know, man. That's everybody's hard. You, you're going to, you know, you're going to Prescott. You're going to here, going there. You know, these all these tests are opening up. I'm like, man, <laughs> I've sent all my dogs home. You know, they're all home resting, getting ready to start pre-grand and pre-national training. So my schedule's a little different. Uh, I like it. I, I do my HRC mostly in the spring and fall, and I'll, I'll run all summer on my master test. This year, I got a little jammed up. I had a bunch of young dogs that needed a bunch of passes, so it worked out. But I, I'd like to get some more passes earlier you know and not be so cramped coming down to the wire you know but like some of these dogs they were just ready you know at the time and you do it now or you don't do it so uh once they you know you take a dog uh comes in and just wanted a master title and then you hit four four or five in a row and you're like man i get one more and qualify and the client wants to go so you dig down and try to try to get that last one done you know so well, you it, it's uh yeah, they just gotta go get it. So, yeah, it's uh, been a good run, man. I, I love it. I run with a lot of the same people, man. I love these people up here. They're fun, uh, just buddies. You know, it's it's like everywhere. That's that's the good part of this game. Uh, you know, it don't matter if I come down there and run with you and Tyler. If I if I go out there in Arkansas and run with Brett. If I'm in Kentucky running or running in you know Chardon, Ohio, or upstate New York, man, it's always a good group of people. It's some of the best people I've ever met in my life in the dog game. It's just it's wonderful. I'm, I'm tickled and blessed to have a lot of good buddies out here and people I actually enjoy being with makes it fun anyway. That's right. It's a good, it's a good community to be a part of. And I'm, I'm right. happy to be a part of it too myself. Me, me too. Me too. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, Man, I had, uh, I had a guy come down and take pictures here a week or so ago and um, Rob Kenny. I just wanted to give him a shout out. He's a host of the Rolling Thunder podcast and, um, all the pics that I've been throwing up on the on the Insta face is fresh off of Rob's camera. So man, it, they he really did some great work, and I just wanted to give my buddy a plug on that uh, on that awesome work that he done while he was uh, on here. I, I have uh, I haven't spent a lot of time on the social media in the last few months, but I, the other day I scrolled through there waiting to run a dog, and I seen some of your pictures. Man, it's outstanding! Just isn't it crazy how good some of these people are with these cameras? Oh man, I mean, just it is you so know, incredible. I mean, talent. You know, you think, uh, you know, take a picture, you know, snap the button, but man, you start seeing pictures like those he took of you. 
they're just unbelievable, man. How good, how good those guys are, and, and how much effort they put into getting it just right, and everything's good. I, I, it makes a huge. You can tell the difference. And if I took it with my iPhone or somebody took a professional picture like what you got done, they look really good, Adam. Real and it, good. I mean, and it probably made it easy. This he's got this George Clooney type, you know, physique yeah. and looks to 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 photograph Jim. So that had to make it easier on him on my bud. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. When you start with gold, I mean, you can only, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what do you got to do? You know, just shine it up a little. That's it. <laughs> I love it. But he's going to be back down here soon. And when he does, we're going to make time to have him on and uh, a great oh, guy. Cool. And I think everybody needs to know him. Absolutely. No, that's cool, man. Uh, and I'm excited about this one. We don't we don't have a guest tonight, but we've got you've got a question that's been sent to you, and I've got one been sent to me. And I think we can take up some time uh, breaking this stuff down. And and I think I've, I've mentioned it to several people the questions that we're going to try to answer, and uh, everybody's excited about it. So I'm yeah, I'm ready to talk dog training, man. Absolutely. And you know, I was on our our, our buddy cousin Bob uh, Bobby yes, in New York. I was on his podcast here maybe last week or so, and you know. But anyway, his podcast, uh, Long Ducks, The Gun Dog Chronicles, baby, it's like Bob likes to say. You know, so, <laughs> you know, he challenged me and you to go through the tea pattern and told his listeners that we were going to talk about the tea and kind of how we do that deal. And so um, we're going to tackle that and then um, – your buddy sent in some stuff he'd like to know. What exactly was that? that that's right. Ja- my buddy Jamie Moss, who's an amateur trainer, uh, runs his own dogs, but does some young dogs for me and does a fine job. He's a he's a good dog guy. He's come a long way. And uh, he, he asked a question about shooting a flyer and training. He knows that he's been with me a bunch of times when we shot flyers and training. And he, he wants to know he's had some concern, you know, how to, how to shoot the flyer, why, where, when. And why, you know, what does it come out for? What's the purpose? So I figured we could answer that while we kind of tie all this together. It's going to be a two-part deal, and we'll we'll get one covered and then move on to the other one. And a flyer can be used in many, many, many different ways, and I would love to, you know, throw some of my thoughts into it, how I like to use a flyer, and then you too, and I think that would be great. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. And that's what's fun. You know, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm as excited about the tea as anything because, you know, you and I have talked a, a million hours of dog training, and I don't know if we've ever gone as deep as talking about the tea. I know we both do it, put a both, both put a bunch of emphasis on it, the way, you know, you teach it and break it down and, and all that compared to the way I was taught to do it and the things I may have added or do, you know, different than the way I was taught. You know, let's, you know, let's dig in and all see right. where this thing goes. All right, so I've got – I've got it wrote down here, kind of jotted down my little progress that I go through. So let me throw that at you, and you bounce back off of me. Um, sure. So what I got. So I got coming out of walk and fetch. At this point, the dog is I can go through walk and fetch with, with you know, stagger bumpers, fetch, no fetch, fetch, boom. And I'm holding some back pressure on the dog, and he's really got to dig in there and fetch it, okay? And yep. this is with the e-collar at this point. All right, so coming out of walk and fetch, I go to walk and fetch to a mini pile. All right, so I have a pile of three or four bumpers right here, and then right over here I got a pile of three or four bumpers, and there's probably 15 yards in between. So I'll walk toward that one. Fetch, Nick, fetch. All right, I'll take it, lay it back down, and I'll walk toward the other one. Fetch, fetch, Nick, fetch. And then that's where I bring in the word back. And it's and it goes back to uh, Stowski, the Stowski videos. I picked it up there. So if anybody wanted to see a visual of it, it's on one of those foul dog videos. But <clears throat> I, I just go walk and fetch to a mini pile. Then I I go away from the word fetch and incorporate the word back. And then eventually I'm I'm straight to the word back there before I ever do any force to the pile. Yeah, Adam, let me, let me stop you right there. I do, and I get that a lot. You know, how do you transition over? I do it and just say that we're doing it the same. When you go from fetch and then start it back, I always do like fetch back. Right. Fetch mm-hmm. back, and I'll do that, and then it just be, it becomes after just a few times back. Yep, so I guess the sequence is fetch, Nick, fetch, fetch, Nick, yep. back, back, Nick, back, then, yep. you know, then eventually it's just fetch or back. You know, it's not pressure every time. I don't want 
to sound right. like that I'm putting pressure on every command, but you know that's yeah. a, that's but when you're adding way. pressure, it'd be the fetch, it's Nick, back. It's sandwiched yeah. in between the two commands. Yes, sir. Yeah, and so I okay. get them doing that, and then I will, I will have already done three-handed casting to to some extent, not perfection, but introduce some three-handed casting coming into this. I probably left that out. Um, so, and I will stop that dog in front of me and cast him back to those little mini piles just to, you know, do that a little bit too on my little walk and fetch the mini pile drill. All right. So I come out of that and then I do what I like to call push them to the pile from a remote sit. There's no pressure. I go out here to where my pile is. All right. I identify it a ton. And then the dog is sitting in front of me, and I start casting him back to that pile with no pressure. I want him to go with, with no pressure at first. So I call it pushing him to the pile. And then I start bringing in my force. So, you know, I got him sitting in front of me, back. Then I'll, they'll turn, and when I get closer to the pile, I'll hit him with another back, Nick, back right there at the pile. Right there just to push him in there. You with me? Yes, sir. All right. So – then I will extend that thing and back it up and back it up. And then, you know, don't not just a ton of force, but enough force to really make them drive, to make them understand it, make them dig. Um, some of them are going to go at the rate that they're going to go, no matter how much force you put into it. I think we get confused thinking that we can speed this dog up by pouring a ton of pressure onto him, and that's not, not necessarily my belief. So um, at that point – if remote sit, he'll cast back right, back left, and I can put pressure onto him in route, and he understands it. All right, are you with me? I'm with you. All right, you got anything to add, or you want me to keep going? Nope. So so far, we are virtually the same. I mean, right. it's yep. All right. So here's where here's where it really is going to get fun training. So it's time to 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 stop to the pile. It's time to learn how to. To stop on out on your out go, you know I'm going to the pile and I got to stop. So I have casted this dog from a remote sit enough times that this dog knows exactly where that pile is and that he'll go down there. Correct. So you know, when, yep. a lot of times when I flip him around and see him from my side, he he'll go because he's been so familiarized with going down there. I do not start sending them from my side. And actually a good while into it before I'll ever send them from my side. But once I get to that point, I leave the pile to go teach whistle sit elsewhere. Like I'll go to the other end of my field down here. Not If my pile is down here, I'll go 60, 75 yards down here and do my whistle sit drill. And, and how I do that is I start out walking beside them. And I'll do sit, whistle, sit, just to, just to make sure they understand. The same thing I did in obedience to teach them. that, and, and they know that the whistle means sit, but I just reinforce that a time or two. And then I'll go continuous pressure with the, simultaneously with the whistle. When the dog's butt hits the ground, the pressure goes away, whistle again. So I'm just walking. The dog's beside me. Tweet. Pressure, butt hits the ground, pressure goes away, tweet again. And what I'm trying to relay to the dog is the first time he blew the whistle, my ass was off the ground, there was pressure. The second time he blew the whistle, my butt was on the ground, and there was no pressure. So that's what I'm trying to get the dog to pick up. The faster I put my booty on the, in the dirt, I avoid the pressure. So once they're understanding that, and at this point, you've caught a condition correctly. You've taught them that the whistle means sit. One blast means sit. So they understand this, and they should understand it fairly quickly if you've done your, 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 your work in the backyard correctly. All right? So as we move forward, I'll take a fun bumper. Hey, hey, hey. Flip it out there. Let them go get it. Then I'll come back. Hey, hey, hey. Give them a fake throw. Then I'll blow with the pressure. When their butt hits the ground, pressure goes away. Whistle again. Good. Then they're sitting down. Give them some praise. Good. I flip the bumper out there. Cast them to it. That's their reward for sitting. All right. So I get them doing that some. Then I'll get to where I can throw the bumper and send them. And then I can blow, 
with my with my light pressure, just enough pressure to get them to sit. But hits the ground, whistle goes away. So I've got a tool where if they that whistle sit ever gets loopy on down the road, it's a correction that they'll understand because I've instilled it into them up until this point. So at the end of that deal, I will be able to throw a bumper, send the dog, blow the whistle, tweet with some continuous pressure, but hits the ground, whistle again, no pressure. I hope I'm not yep. confusing people. Nope. Well, right. you haven't me, but. <laughs> right. And, and this whole time, the dog's got the rope on it. And if they're not understanding that while they're going, I'm trying to get them to stop, I can just get the rope with your gloves. All right. I made fun of Justin Allen the other day for wearing gloves all the time, and we picking back, you know, just playing or whatnot, you know. So uh, he said he wore them. Uh, he took his gloves off because he, he felt bad because I was making fun of him. But, uh, but he's back to wearing them, he said. But anyway, wear your gloves when you're doing your rope work. Always, I always keep a rope on them, and I will incorporate the rope some during this process. And then when I got that dog sitting some, and this is not a two-day ordeal. This is more like a five-day, seven-day ordeal for me to get the dog to doing it the way that I wanted to do it. Then I'll go back to the pile where I forced them and do sit to pile. You with me? I'm with you. All right, I feel like I'm uh, doing all the talking, but you, no, no well, you're, you're good. I mean, yeah. you, you're good. You're good with everything that we've done so far. Yeah, I do. I do a little different on the set. Okay. I and and I know uh, when Lauren done the podcast with us, he explained set the way you just explained it, uh, and I, I I was interested in that doing it separate of the pile. I, I teach it and I don't know that this is the one thing that honestly it's hard it's hard for me to explain because it works really well but I don't know exactly why or, or why I mean I, I know why it works well but it's like it works extremely well and what what I do uh, is I teach uh, during obedience I do a week of stick set and the first the first week, uh, is just a, or the first day or two is just a soft stick to sit. And then I start incorporating, incorporating the whistle then, you know, set, stick, set with the stick on, on lead prior to going to the, doing force to pile. And then when I do force to pile, I do the majority of my sins from my side or I'm sorry, from remote. And what I do is I get to stop in that dog coming in on the whistle first. Yeah. And the way I, the way I do it is the dog comes in, I'll have the stick in my hand and I won't hit the dog. I'll just smack the stick on the ground, sit. And they'll like sit, you know, and I do that so many times. One time I go to cast them back after, you know, three or four or five days of stopping coming to me, I'll just stop them. I'll blow the whistle and I'll, I'll, you know, tweet as they're coming in and get them to sit as they turn to leave, I'll tweet and they just turn around and stop. Right. And when they do that, I got it. I, if they'll do it one time, it's like, I got it. And then I do that's, that's how I get them to sit on the whistle. And I've done every one the same way, you know, uh, and without leaving the pile, but I like that. I've, I've, I've never had to use a rope to get them to stop. Once I started that, getting them stopping coming in first and then, I could get them stopping going out. That's just the way I do it. And sometimes the, the, the collar drill don't relate to a certain dog and you have to use the rope. Um, no, I, 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 yeah. And I under, and I do, I, I understand that I've, I've had over the years, a few dogs that it just took a lot more for them to understand. It. Uh, I had a dog one time named Drake that I run. And if you bump the whistle, his front end, his front feet would lock, his back end would come over his head and he'd just slam down and lock. And everybody's like, dang, man, that's a, that dog stops harder than any dog I've ever seen. But what they don't know is I almost ruined him. This is years ago, teaching him to stop on a whistle because he's so hard-headed. You know, I, over, I overdone the pressure, and I got lucky it was just enough, you know, to get yeah. a really good stop, a little bit more, and I, he would have been, it would have been too much pressure. Right. So, you know, that's one of those things. Now I can read it a lot better and know not to, not to go too deep into him on it. But I, I like that. I, I haven't had a crew i've started stopping yet but i i like what lauren said about moving it like what you do moving it off of the uh off of the force to pile 
and and doing it somewhere different, especially if you have to add add collar pressure to it. Right, because you just so, you just yeah. use pressure to teach them to to go. You know, so that's why yeah, I avoid it, that teaching them. You know, initially teaching them to stop right there. I go away from that. Yeah, and I've seen dogs get confused. You know, because a back Nick back now it's set Nick set, and there's some confusion definitely to be had there. Right. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So that's why I go away from it. So I'm trying to avoid yes. the confusion. But ultimately, yep. you're going to get confusion when you start going and then stopping to the pile. It's going to create some no-goes. It's going to create some popping and give you a chance to, to you know, to reinforce your, your force to pile. You know? Yeah. They're going to show its face. But you got to have a little bit of dog man in you at that point to know whether to, you know, recall and force or – or, or just to cast on them. you got to know the dog. So there's no cookie-cutter answer to what happens yep. when that happens. I'm just We're just telling you how we go through this process or I go through this process. All right, so, Jim, so we got them going to a pile. We got them sitting to a pile. We got them slamming pretty good. All right? There's no, right. There's no left and right movement. There's no, you know, when I blow the whistle, they don't run five more feet. They stop right there if, if at all possible. All right? And then I back that thing up and I teach my line to oh, for my T pattern. So I use I, I use the same pile the whole time. I'll start at that pile and I'll back it up and teach my um, T pattern. Okay. The line say to now, the T. With me? Say, all right. Yep. So I, there's a difference. And what I do is I have a, a whole separate spot. Like I have a spot next to my kennel I do my forcing in and stopping and, and forcing the pile. And then I actually go to a whole nother spot to do the T. Right. I teach a whole nother line, but yeah, go yeah. ahead. And it, and it doesn't matter to me. Um, if you, if you move to another spot to do the T or do it right there, I just back that line up 50, 60 yards. I think it's mine's about 60 yards. All right. Yeah. And, and that, then, that mine would be about the same 60, 70 yards is the longest line I run on a T. Yep. And then, I back them all the way up, and I get them to remote cast in front of me down there and a side send down there. All right, And when I'm happy, they're coming up there, they're looking down to the end of the pile, back, and they're down there. Then I move back to the cross section of the tee with the dog in a, front, in, a, in a remote sit facing me. Then I teach my right over and my left over at that point. I show it to them. Okay. All right. And then once I feel like they know that pretty good, I'll start receiving them back at my side and sending them and stopping them at that cross section and, and, and get start working on really turn that thing into the T pattern. Yeah. And now at, at that point, uh, Adam, can you hear me? Yep. I, uh, at that point, I do it a little different. Okay. So I, I teach the dog – I teach the dog to, to go to the pile on my tee and then I'll, I'll teach him the, the full line from my side and left and right remotes. Yep. And then I, I do orange bumpers at my, at my back pile and I'll put white bumpers on my side piles oh boy. and I will reteach that line with that dog run between the white bumpers only at about, you know, the, they're probably 20 yards off each side of the line in short lawn mowed grass. Mm-hmm. And I, I start in the middle and teach them to run through it. And I just keep backing up till they'll run between them. Then I move back up to the cross section. Uh, once they'll do that without thought left and right back cast and cast through there, I'll move back up to the, to the intersection. And the first day I will just teach. I always teach the right over first. I teach right over with left back. Yep. Same here. And then in the next day I would teach left over. Or the net, when they got that where they're doing it consistently, I'll teach the left over and the right back until they're doing that consistently. And then I'll do a day of left over right backs from the intersection. I'll spend probably four days at the intersection teaching the, just the casting. I've done three-handed casting. Everything you've done now, I'm starting to kind of demand it. Go Absolutely. right, you know, S- same back here. left, mm-hmm. back right, over right. You know, so I can get them to take a right over and then spin and take a right back. Once they'll do that, then I back up and then I teach the entire T from stopping at the intersection, going back, going left, going right. Yeah, same here. 
Okay. I, I accomplished the same thing in my cross section as what you just said. You just did such okay. a better job. Uh, well, that's where that's where I think a lot of people don't spend enough time teaching. They like I'm helping a guy right now up in Ohio with his dog. He's doing it himself. I talk to him on the phone two to three days a week, sometimes more. And he's he's right here at this very point and i'm teaching him uh, how to teach his dog to do the tea and he gets frustrated because his dog he cast right and the dog right back and the dog goes right over and i'm like man the dog don't know you know he's leaving you know you've been forced and he thinks i said re-identify the pile now that's something i think we ought to add too i don't know how you do but i, I identify each pile each day i do like even if it's 10 days in, I still identify the piles. That's just the way I was taught because I want to teach it. I don't want them to have to think about it. I want them to just do the correct cast, not have to remember where they done it yesterday. I want them to know that right there's where you got to go. Now cast right. Now cast left, cast right, cast left, whatever. So I identify the piles each day too. Yeah. And then uh, once I move on my long line all the way back out of the intersection all the way to the full end, those dogs are going to start running for those shorter birds. And that's where I start getting my, that's where I start teaching the indirect pressure. No here. I'll start, I'll, I'll start off with doing, uh, uh, attrition, bringing them back and making them cast, but eventually leading up to set Nick set and then casting away from the short bumpers to the long bumpers. If they don't take the correct line. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, okay. At that point, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you're going to handle different with different dogs. Um, and going back to identifying the pile, I identify the, the piles a lot. Um, I may do it less for this dog than I do for this dog. You just got to know. You just got to yeah. know what the little dog needs. And if it needs to be identified – you know, and if you if you start losing a little bit of momentum, hell, throw one over the dog's head while it's on the way back. Well, yeah, yeah, well, hey, 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 and there goes one, and you throw it back there, yeah. and you stop them, and you take it, and you just cast them back there, and pew, there they go. See, you I, know? I tell everybody that, that I help with this is always, rule number one, always have a white bumper in your back pocket. It never hurts. It never hurts. Because if you get yourself into a jam, you know, the dog doesn't know we're teaching you can just toss a bumper, get success. Like, Good, all right, and then go back to what you were doing, and that may clear it up without a bunch of, you know, getting yourself. You, you don't want to build yourself a battle on the T pattern, in my opinion. Not in the early, especially the early stages. You want to really make sure that dog, when he goes one direction, he's comfortable running there and it's safe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's pretty much the T. So, Jim, how? What kind of efficiency and accuracy do you get? Before you're done with the tea, I, I take mine. I, I take mine to probably ninety to ninety five percent, maybe more. And and wow. now one one part one part of the tea, yeah, I probably overdo on, but I but I but now very 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 little pressure there. Yeah, very little pressure now, so I can take it further because I'm not adding. Like I know you and I've talked about. I know you apply quite a bit of pressure to the tea where I teach it probably more right and then i do more of my cast and stuff in my three in my uh uh three-point pattern blind field you know my my pattern blind field is where i start actually moving the dog you know stopping and casting him off lines and moving him online so that's probably where we're going to differ a little more uh on this now, now one thing the reason so the reason i take mine to that much efficiency is I'm going to teach the discipline casting, which is where that dog will cast with a bumper in his mouth for the people listening. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to stop that dog at any point with or without a bumper cast. Give me that cast, pick up a bumper on back to me, stop him, cast him to the right pile, cast him from the right pile, to the left pile, cast him from the left pile to the back pile and then back to me. Because doing that and doing it correctly and getting that done right is going to save you and swim by. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same a, way. I want a dog to leave from my side with a bumper in its mouth and be able to stop and cast to any point on my T-pattern. Yes. Yeah. It, and if they'll do that, swim by becomes, you know, you hear I hear these people all the time like, man, I battled through, uh, through swim by the whole time. Well, the dog don't know how to cast with a bumper in his mouth. He learned it while he was trying to learn to swim by. It become a battle. If the dog knows how to efficiently cast with a bumper in his mouth, when you get to the swim by pond, 
that dog cast out that end, you can once you get him to the point where you're not calling him across your casting for, through the swim by portion of it, that dog will be able to take that cast with a bumper. And and I think that's one of the sitting square and looking at me on the tee is is my number one thing. Uh, the efficiency of the correct cast is important, and and then order is that getting the discipline casting to a to a to a point they totally will cast with a bumper in their mouth. Right. Yeah, that's the three th- main three things I'm looking for on the uh, on the T pattern. Now, about two thirds of the way through the T pattern, I start the rule we all use: the go, stop, and come rule. They got to go, they got to stop, and they got to come. Once they once they start doing a long line, you know, correction for no goes, correction for wrong cast, correction for not stopping, nicking to here if they're not coming here. I start blending all that stuff starts getting blended together at that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm pretty close. We're we're very very close. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there's a, a million ways to skin that cat. Just you know, I start in the middle and pull both ways. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I, I like yep. it. I feel like we covered it pretty good. And yeah, if anybody's got any questions, just let us know, and we'll break it down. You know, per question now a little more, but that's that's pretty much it. And I think you covered it extremely well. Uh, that's it, it's. There's a lot of information out there about doing it. That's that's how we do it. There it is. There it is. And I think right. it's very important. It's it's one of those. It's a it's a must do. You know, without question. Oh, yeah. And it's going to take some time to do it right. And you got to be patient. Oh, and you, teach. You you got to be sound right there. Your basics have got to be sound, so they'll carry on over into the you know a transition. I mean, yeah. Well, and, and it's it's like you're building that puzzle. Your T pattern is not going to be good if you haven't done your force to pile right, and your force pile is not going to be right if you didn't do your force fetch right. No, you know all of it. You can tell how you did on your last step by how your next step going. Just like when I say if you're struggling on the swim by, you probably didn't teach discipline casting well enough. That's ninety percent of the time. That's the problem. So right. I don't know how to cast. Well, sure, you're having trouble with it, you know. But if you got that control, the next step will be easier. It, it actually is really easy if you teach the first step really good. Absolutely. All right, on to yep. Jamie Moss. That's enough for the T. Enough for the T. Let's let's talk about shooting a flyer. This is this is this is exciting for me because I've been thinking about this question a lot. Jamie has been with me when we have shot a lot of flyers. I shoot a ton of flyers i run a lot of master tests i like the shot flyer i like it for a lot of reasons uh adam what's your thoughts on the shot flyer i guess one thing that i guess the one thing that sticks out to me when i put a flyer out there i want to be able to run past it a time or two um because of how much suction and what it what the flyer is itself and and what it creates and the opportunities to learn i want to be able to run past it to a long bird or on a blind or whatever it may be, that's the number one thing that I think, that I would think when I put a flyer out in the field, how can I run past this flyer? So a lot of times for me, it's one of my shorter birds. Now, if you got a dog that has trouble looking through the test or through the through the up guns and can't find a long gun, put the flyer on the long bird. There's a, there's a lot of different ways you can use a flyer. You can use it to affect um, a short bird that you that's just tucked in there really good. You can have the flyer deep of it. So, or like I said, the first thing I look at is I'm gonna put a long bird down, then I'm gonna shoot the flyer up here, then I'm gonna run past it to go get the long bird. Then you come back run a blind past it again. It's just to me harder to run past the flyer. It's hard to check down in front of the flyer. So. That'd be yeah. a few things that just come to pop to mind, I guess. What about you? So, so you well, absolutely. That's you know control. Uh, that's uh, I use the flyer on my big dogs, uh, my, my you know my my master crew. Most of the time, the flyer is going to be used as 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 control. Like shoot the flyer, no off run a blind. Shoot the flyer. Pick up, you know, the first bird, pick up the go bird, come back, get the flyer, get run a blind through the fall under the arc or by the flyer. Get in control. If that dog will handle good around and through flyer falls, you got a good, you got good handle on your dog. The dog understands that they need to know how to get around and through those, that sin area. 
sometimes I use the flyer to, to build, you know, to build those dogs up. Those dogs, especially you take those dogs just coming off the tee pattern or just coming out of starting to run some cold blinds or getting a little down. You take them out there and shoot them a good, easy flyer. I do that pretty often, just something to, to, to give them some confidence. Man, you're talking about a happy dog. You just put them a flyer down out there, run it as a single. Let them see it. Let them sit through it. Boom. Steadiness. If I need steadiness on some tests that I know I'm going to be seeing some real tight short birds, shoot them a, a short flyer. You know, if they can sit, if they can sit through a two or three gun unload on a 40 yard flyer, you know, and we'll see that in tests. You know, I run a test this year where they had three guns at the station at 60 yards, and they weren't scared to burn up ammo. I kept telling them there's a shortage. Stop <laughs> shooting so much. <laughs> But they, you know, them guys showed up, God bless them. And they were there to shoot their gun. You know, they didn't care about passing. They don't even know what we're doing. They just, they got invited out to come shoot the flyer and the club was supplying ammo and they were just letting her eat, you know? And I'm like, man, you know, that makes it a little tough on us guys, you know? So, uh, when my guys shoot flyers in the field, I try to get two or three shots on them. I want it to be a flyer. I like to, if you can, you let it ride, you know, saying, let the bird get up and let it be a flyer, you know? Let it, let it get out and beat its wings a few times. If you got to send it out of a winger, I think the key to shooting a flyer is having a flyer shooter, somebody who can, who can actually shoot a gun. And, and that's one of those things over the years I've had dozens of people say, Oh man, I want to come shoot the flyer for you. I'm like, absolutely. Come on. You know, and they'll, they'll come in and they're, they're good hunters. They're good shots. They've shot ski, they shot this and missed the first three flyers. And you can see the disappointment in their face. Like, I, I don't know. You know, there is some skill to that. You know, if you don't do it, guys like me and you, Adam, that shot them for years or have become very efficient at it. But those, you know, you're shooting that bird, it'll take erratic movements very quickly, and you got to be prepared for that. So having somebody that knows how to handle getting a flyer throwed, getting it, getting it shot down, that that right there is is key. You start shooting like pheasant flyers. I shoot a lot of pheasant flyers. I have opportunity to buy a lot of pheasants in my area, so I've got a, a pheasant razor there. It takes somebody that knows what you're doing to get that pheasant shot, but you're going to get a lot of you're going to get a lot of the flyer out of that pheasant, meaning that that dog is going to see a lot of wing beat and a lot of you know the cackling and all that stuff that builds that excitement. And I think at the end of the day, these old dogs that we love so much, they're still animals, and they bloodthirsty. You shoot them up, you shoot them a fresh shot flyer, that changes those dogs. I, I see it. I see it time and time again, man. It just builds them back up. You know, you can be a little rough on them on something, take them over, shoot them a flyer, boom, they right back up on top, man. They feel like they own the world when they start getting them live bird shot to them. They love it. They, they, they love it, man. Love the, it. The, absolutely. The, the good one. The good ones really love it. And and a dog, you know, especially these master dogs, they got to know how to how to be around a flyer and set through it. You know, I've run tests. You go into certain parts. I've been up in, in Wisconsin, for instance. Yeah, they're going to shoot you a flyer in the first and the second. You know, they'll shoot you a flyer first, first and second in juniors, first and second in seniors, and first and third in the master test. I've seen that several times. You better have a dog. You're going to go up in there and run, and the tests are good, all that. But you better have a dog knows how to handle, you know, handle being around a bunch of flyers because they're going to see them. So, different areas. Uh, you know, I run a club over in Ohio. The grounds are too small. The, the property owner won't allow them to shoot flyers, so we don't have a flyer at that club. My dogs, a lot of times, it seems like it kind of builds them up for the whole test if they get that flyer in the first series. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, I, so, think, I think my favorite thing to do with a flyer is is to put a long bird down that, and then a flyer in front of it to where they got to run off the backside of the flyer to get to the long bird. That's my yes. favorite thing to do. And then that, that's on on master type, not master level. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's just, this is advanced. Yeah. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to retire that guy and hide him so that they got to remember that that bird's out there. And a lot of times they're gonna go past it and you know either take the alley behind it and some sometimes they'll even go past it and fall back into it. You know the the more yellow belly ones will for sure. Um, yeah. But you also you can do that and then you can come back and run a blind right through the old fall of the flyer. Yeah, and get to run by it twice. I just, yeah. I just if, think that's probably the hardest thing to do is to run. Past, one of the hardest things to do is to run past that bird, and you got those crates right. there and those live ducks there, and it just, <clears throat> it's so hard. And I think it's something that you need, 
if you're going to be really good at master test, I think you need to be really good at going past the flyer to a long bird that's hidden. And you can't start there, but that's what I like to use them as. I, I like the part that you're talking about, like with the control where they're going to get the long bird. Like, for instance, I run a midweek down in uh, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, or outside Fort Wayne this week, and we had a walk-up and then a triple, uh, 40-yard short bird, right-hand bird at 150 shot flyer not in line with that bird but pinching in pretty close the two lines were very very close turn left for the go bird at about 150 up the hill pick it up come back in now who was a man the training yeah well now the training now the training kicks in yeah it was a good one now the training kicks in i i practice on that short retired bird so much i talk every one of my dogs goes in and picks up the short retired or the the short bird comes back in and goes straight out to the long bird I have practiced that so much. The dogs that have been through that, you can see it. We lost a big chunk of dogs in that first series. Good dogs. Some of them I know that are very, very good dogs, well-trained dogs. They just haven't done that. And if they had not practiced that scenario to the point that dogs understood it, those dogs were driving out for that flyer. They come back in and have to hunt. A lot of times what they were doing was getting between them. They were sent for the short bird, wanted the flyer, hunt between them, have to handle get in the flyer fall, have to handle the flyer, come back in, over on the short bird, double handle, and you're out. That happened several times. And it's and that, so that flyer was pulling those dogs out there, and my dogs would come in, look at the flyer, I'd be like, no, here, easy, right there. Dog. they go in there, and they would run back so hard with that short bird and just swing and look because it's like, all right, now I get the flyer. Yeah. But they do that because we practiced it so much with that flyer deep of that short bird. And we've also practiced it with the flyer short of the deep bird, where they got to get past the flyer out and pick it up. That's hard to do. Jamie and I were talking about that when he asked this question. He's like, man, I want to shoot a flyer. I'm thinking about doing an indent with the flyer in the middle, you know, running past it. I said, all right, Jamie, what are you going to do if you send a dog out to that long bird, to a dead bird, control bird, out past the flyer? If that dog dives back in and gets that flyer. You know, your dogs don't get a lot of flyers, you know, as many as some, you know, I mean, he's, you know, they're shooting flyers. I mean, they do shoot some flyers, but not like say I would. So are you going to correct? Are you going to recall? Are you just going to stop and cast? You know, you got to start thinking all those scenarios through each dog. If you send them like the same thing you're talking about, what, what do you, what would you do in that scenario? If you put that short bird down and, and you send for the long bird deep of it and that dog goes out there and dives in on the short bird, what, what's your answer to that? How, how do, you, do you correct at that point? Are you just casting them? Are you following me with that? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, have they already got the short bird or no? No, the short bird's left. You know, you got to go deep of the. You got to go deep of the short flyer and get the long bird. Right. Normally, you know, it, normally I would do it to where I've had, I would have already gotten that bird the way I train. See, uh, that that's me too. I'm always going to get the short bird, but if the go the go bird is put down long. You know, it, it passed, you know, not okay. super pinch, but past the flyer. That's your go bird and the flyer's down. Are you going to select off the go bird and get the flyer and then let them go out for the go bird? Or are you going to send for the go bird? And, you know, in training, what's your scenario? Do you have an answer for that scenario? I told Jamie, I said, man, I, you know, at that point, most of the time, if the dog dies back in, I'm going to stop them and I'm going to cast them out of there. And as long as they cast out, I'm just going to send them down there and show them they should, they should stay online and got that bird without correction. Right. I mean, it, because it, I, I don't want to put no pressure on a short bird. That's what causes dogs to, to blow through. That's my opinion. Right. Like, in that instance right there, if I'm following you right, it, depending on how tight the lines to them were, I would probably probably select the flyer and get it. Yeah. And then my dog's already been there. It's clear its head on that. And then send them back deep of it. Kick them back out for the long bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I would do, I think. But yeah if i'm following you correctly yeah yeah so i think the flyer is i think it's a vital tool i I love it i I like shooting flyers i'm 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 very blessed to have guys that shoot flyers very well uh you know and sometimes they miss and they're all tore but i'm like hey man no bird you know we're gonna see that uh i've run tests i had a test back in the spring i was running a little young dog and got two back-to-back no bird flyers the third time I took him up there because he was the last dog, I just had to go back while they got reset, went up there, and he broke. I mean, what do you do? 
uh, you know, he, he done set through two. That's part of it, you know, um, uh, but uh, sometimes a no burden training ain't the end of the world, but I know the guys are paying, you know, 15, 16, $18 a bird. They want to get the most out of that flyer that they possibly can. So if you had one thing to do with your master crew and you, you bought a crate of flyers, what would be your the one thing you'd want to see your dogs do with that crate of flyers? I'd, I'd want to run past it to a long retired. And after I, picking it up. After picking it up, yes. I, I want to make sure you're clear on that. So yeah. go in and get the short, the, the, the get that as a go bird, come back in, and then yeah. make the dogs run past it to a long retired copy of that. Yeah, and then yeah. I would come back and run another blind past it. Yeah, or and through it, the fall yeah. or – yeah, yeah that what I'm saying, yeah. pass it through the fall, off the front side of the fall, back side of the gun. You need to be able to run all of those blinds through the flyer fall, um, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree completely. I, those people over there thought I was so mean. Uh, we go back to train uh, on a Monday after we'd run a weekend test, and we're training in the same field. They shot the flyer, and I had two blinds through the shot flyer fall. Absolutely. From the whole week where they had shot six burns. Like, what's right? I said, if you can get them through that, you can get them through anything. Yeah. I said, they shot 60 or 70 birds down out there. I said, there's feathers and duck crap everywhere. If they can get that, they can get them anywhere. I said, so if you, there's your train. There's something to train on. Get through it. You know, and, and the dogs that get used to just, tweet, I ain't going there. Go on. You know, and that's how they learn. You know, we put them in a hard situation and get them out of it, and they figure out that's the way to do it. Absolutely. So, yes, well, that's our thoughts on a flyer, and I'm sure we left out something, but, you know, got you a good start anyway, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, good luck. Good luck to everybody. And, again, if you got any questions on shooting a flyer or anything, any confusion we may have caused. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> please, please, yeah, please don't let us know. But don't be like Tyler and tell us how sorry we are. <laughs> that's, uh, right. <laughs> that's right. All right, Jimmy, so I got, I'm going to end it with a good story, okay? Yeah, man, I'm All right. ready for a so, good story. So, today – we did a, a short mark first and picked it up, and then Mr. D drove around, kind of passed it, and threw one deep of it. And it's probably another 80 yards past it, off off the front side of the short bird, but deep of it. And Mr. D's driving off. He, he, he hops off, boom, throws, hops on the bike and leaves. So – you know, them dogs have really got to focus on where that bird is and go past. A true short yeah. retire. Yeah. No, no, it's a long, it's so long, it's deep. Long retire. Yeah, it's right through the old fall that they just picked up. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and he kept getting short. He was stopping his bike shorter and shorter, and the bird was even more and more further in line with the short bird. And I got <laughs> on the radio, and I called him. I said, that gun, Mr. Dennis, you keep getting shorter and shorter. Get out there where I told you to stop the first time. He, You know how Mr. D is. Oh, okay, and. Uh, and then he, I ran a couple more dogs, and they would go to where he parked his bike, and they would hunt real hard right there, and then they would work over and get the bird. And I bet I had ten people here today watching. I said, "Man, look how smart them dogs are." They went out there, they smelled where Mister Dennis was standing, and then they just went over and figured it out, man, using their heads. Man, I like to see them use their heads, and I could tell Mister D's battery was getting low. I said, "All right, Mister D, get you a get you a water and sit down a minute. Let me go through." Uh, and let Austin run a few, or, or some of these other guys can run their dogs. So I get out there, boom, I throw the first one. And I get out there to where he had been stopping, and to mark his spot so he didn't get his butt crawled no more, he then took him an old duck and plucked him a bunch of feathers and threw it down right there, right there so he knew where to stop. And this whole time I thought they were smelling where Mr. Dennis was standing, and he didn't have him a pile of feathers to mark where to stop. So I was like, well, gosh, oh, so, God bless him. That's excellent. I got yeah. yeah he, he wasn't taking no more butt chewings today, he said. No, no. He didn't say that, that but that was his way of, you know, I'm stopping yeah. right here. I, I'll fix this problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So him one. I thought that was oh, funny. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. That's excellent, man. Well, all, all right, right, man. Yeah. Uh, it's been fun. Adam, always, buddy. And, and everybody, I know we're a little late on this one. Uh, hopefully, after this week, we're going to get back on the groove and start getting them out a little earlier. So, we appreciate everybody's support, man. I'm talking to every weekend somewhere, people bringing it up. Thank you guys for listening and appreciate all the support. And hopefully, you're enjoying it. And if you got stuff like this you don't want us to talk about, just let us know. So we, I, we enjoy doing it. I get messages 
you know, almost daily, but, you know, a couple of two or three a week, I'll, you know, Adam, I just yeah. want to let you know that we're enjoying your podcast and yada, yada, yada. And I can't tell you yes. how much I enjoy getting that because it makes taking this hour, hour and a half to do this type of stuff, whether it be at night or in the heat of the day or whenever we do it, it makes it worth it. And we appreciate you guys so much for reaching out to us and for sharing it and all of that stuff. We can't thank you enough. Absolutely. And what uh, earlier you told me we've started getting some listens from people in Africa. Africa, yeah, it was uh I don't know. I was looking at it the other night after I had posted that one that last one that we did and I got to looking and there's Africa and some uh I forget the words I said, I told Carrie, I said, What is this right here? And I don't know if it was wherever Australia is. I'm no geographist or whatever, you know. I'm not real smart. <laughs> so I don't know where it was, but it was way over on the other side of the world. So hi guys over there wherever you at. Yeah, welcome to the welcome to the doghouse. Welcome Adam, to the doghouse. Adam, it, it's Friday evening. You got wife and little girls got something for you to do, I'm sure. And I'm gonna I'm gonna feed Nary's hounds of mine and uh I'm gonna get some rest, get ready to run a test in the morning. All right. Mr. All right. Mr. Skip's gonna bring us out. Take the golden voice and take us home, man. The golden voice taking us home. See ya. See you, buddy. Doghouse Podcast is available each week on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, and on Spotify. Let Jimmy Rogers and Adam Campbell keep you updated on dog events, retriever hunt tests, great hunting adventures, and great hunting equipment. The Doghouse is brought to you in part by Sullivan Motors in Collins, Mississippi. They're your Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC dealer. Remember, BS delivers at Sullivan Motors.